Good morning, church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks, and yes, I'm coming to you today from my hotel room. I thought I would take you on the road with me today, as my wife and I are in Nashville, Tennessee, and we have been attending uh, for several days the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, which is where those who are on television are or who are moving forward with television, uh, get together to um, just uh, network in the kingdom and so forth. So my wife and I have been busy uh, praying and uh, seeking God for ways to continue to expand the television ministry. So we have uh, digital media, uh, some radio, and there's supposed to actually be a red tag on here that says TV. <laughs> and although we were like the first in line, uh, you know, there's thousands of people here from the... Um, uh, the Christian television industry, but uh, they ran out of the red ones uh, right up at the front. So nevertheless, praise God, it's not so much, I guess, what's on the tag as what you're actually doing. And we've made some wonderful connections with some very new uh, possibilities of expansion, particularly in Israel, as well as some other places. And I'll be sharing more about that in the coming days as the Lord is increasing uh, the ministry on all sides. The scripture refers to ever-increasing faith. So with our prayers and application of our faith, this ministry by God's grace will never, ever become stagnant, but will continue to build upon the success that God has already brought. But we're not resting on past laurels. We must continue to move ahead because there are so many hurting people out there that we need to bring the gospel to as many people as possible. So today I'm greeting you from Nashville, Tennessee, from uh, right by the Grand Ole Opry. Actually, we're on the grounds of the Grand Ole Opry, and uh, we have been uh, strategizing, my wife and I and some others that we are connected with uh, in the uh, media market, of what we can do to continue to expand the Pure Gold television program. Thank you for praying for us and also praying for God's increase upon this ministry as we continue to build up God's people around the world with his rich, nourishing word. Praise God. Speaking of God's word, let's take a look today at Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. And as we do this, I want to ask you a question. Maybe uh, maybe nobody has ever asked you this question before, but let me read a verse. Then we'll bring the question up. Verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him. In other words, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, that would be Abraham, gave him, that would be Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Now, sometimes people say that tithing is strictly an Old Testament, uh, under the law type, uh, you know, thing that was instituted by God through Moses. But as we know, that's, that's inaccurate. Here's Abraham tithing, you know, years and years before the law was ever given by uh, God through Moses as an instruction or commandment, a directive for his people. So tithing has always been an, uh, an act of faith, and that's what Abraham is known for, a man who believed God and it was accounted to him or credited to him for righteousness. So tithing is something that brings you into the understanding of the kingdom that the just shall live by faith. And we also see 
that God says out of the 100 percent, 90 you can keep, but 10 percent, God said that belongs to me. Praise God. And there's also times where God would uh, touch the hearts of his people for special offerings that would be above the tithe. Hallelujah. But it's good to tithe. And I want to now loop back to the question. If you think just from a natural perspective, and I think I think it's even a spiritual perspective, who in the church are the ones that maybe we could even use the phrase are the most important ones in the church? That's the question. Who are the ones who are actually in the eyes of God? That's really what counts. Who could be considered the most important ones in the church? And I would like to endeavor to answer that question by saying, hands down, it's the, it's the tithers. And you have to understand that all the churches, regardless of where the churches that are in America or churches around the world, uh, if you go to a church and it has a thousand people in it, you have to understand that uh, across the board, the stats show that usually less than 30% actually tithe. So if you have a thousand people, you've, you, you have 300 that are actually tithing. And I have to tell you the truth, those 300 are the ones that God's using to carry predominantly the entire load. Stop and think about it just for a moment. Who builds churches? Do they just pop up? No, they, they are built. By who though? By who? It's the tithers. How, how are television stations and how are uh, things such as television airtime paid for? Well, it's paid for by partners, but those partners, if you look in, in through their lives, these are those that are tithers, and it's the tithers that are the movers. Can you imagine what it must be like for those Christians that go to heaven and when they lived their lives on the earth, they did not tithe. And they were even adamant about not doing it. Perhaps they even tried to encourage others, oh, don't tithe, that's all legalistic and stuff like that. And maybe they gave 1%. Maybe they hardly did anything. Can you imagine being a Christian and then, then your life ends and you go to heaven because whoever shall call upon the, the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're saved by, by faith. You're justified by the Lord's redemptive work at Calvary. So whether you tithe or not, you're going, you're going to make it to heaven. But can you imagine getting to heaven and uh, realizing, wow, I really blew it on that one. I really missed that opportunity. And as we all know, you can't go back and do a second take. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> oh, you, you can't say, oh, Lord, you're right. Yes, tithing is something I should have done. Let's replay that. No, it's, it's, it's done. So while you're on the earth as a tither, you have to see that um, you're the one and you're linked with others that are the doers and the accomplishers in the kingdom. Why? Because the tithers are the minority, but the tithers are the ones that are building church buildings, that are building orphanages, that are building Christian hospitals, that are doing the great works in the earth. Praise God. So we see that Abraham was a tither. Sometimes people read verses like, Genesis chapter 12, and it says that Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, and they think, oh, oh, I'd like to tie into that. And, uh, you know, Christians get excited. I'm the seed of Abraham, and they get all excited about that, but then it says Abraham's a tither. Oh, oh, no, we don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> so they want Abraham's results, but they don't want to practice his lifestyle or his biblical principles. You see how silly all of that is. So my friends, I want to invite you to get on the the biblical wagon of scriptural obedience and become a tither 
so that you can engage God on the on a the platform of a financial covenant. Hallelujah. So that you have the stability and strength and wisdom and anointing flowing into your life that you need. You know, one of the great builders uh, that uh, I can't, uh, Mr. Tourneau, who built these giant earth moving machines, uh, he was a, a very devout tither, a very big supporter of the kingdom when he was on the earth. He's lived his life out now. But he said that whenever he would tithe, God would give him these ingenious ideas of how to overcome problems and how to build these gigantic machines and how to make them work right. And he said, if he ever stopped tithing those ideas, it's just like they got shut off. Why? Because it talks about in Malachi chapter three, that when you tithe, the rain from heaven is released. And that rain, of course, could be rain on your natural land, but it's also rain representing the Holy Spirit, anointing and touching your mind with ideas to solve problems, to go to the next level, to keep moving forward, and that anointing, that rain, falls upon the tithers. Praise God. All right, so we're going to honor God. We're going to bring the tithe, and if you would like to sow an offering into the ministry, we have uh, needs in various departments of the ministry, and you can certainly do that. And we're going to bring the tithes and offerings now into the storehouse. If you would like to mail them in, send them to Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Now, if you want to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world. Please go to stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage uh, for your tithes. There's a red bracket. It has a, red, it has a heart. You can click that red link, and it says, it says giving, and then you'll see the area for the tithe. If you want to sow a special seed, perhaps into the pure gold television ministry or into the field of dreams so that we can pay off the re final remaining balance on the land, although we've purchased the land, praise God, but we want to pay it all off debt-free because the moment we get it paid off debt-free, that's the moment we will move forward with uh, the, uh, the phase of land clearing and then shortly right after that, the construction of the facility. The facility is still in the design phases right now. So you'll see those opportunities. If you click on the orange banner that says projects, that's a great place to give an offering to sow a seed. And we sure do appreciate it as God is opening tremendous doors for the ministry to continue to reach out through television and so forth. Now, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I know that there are some that are watching right now and they've never tithed in their life. Maybe they've given 1% or 2 or maybe they don't even really know. But Father, I pray that you help them to step up to New Testament League faith, to Abraham League faith, who was a tither. And uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, these men were tithers. And we see their example. We see the great example of the giving hearts of the great men of the Bible and the, the women as well. And so, Father, we're just praying for the anointing of tithing the rest upon your people with all of its divine benefits that you designed. Thank you, Father God. Bless your people. And, Father, those uh, precious people that are also sowing a special offering and special seed, Lord, multiply. I pray their seeds and turn it into the bountiful harvest that they desire. And I thank you, Father God, that you're causing their dreams to come to pass. And they are tithers and they are givers. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> you know, heaven's going to be a very interesting place. And 
Uh, it will be fascinating when those that didn't tithe or even spoke against it who were in the body of Christ get to heaven and they were like, uh-oh, <laughs> and you get to go have fun or do something very special, and they have to go off to the class and sit down and learn things that you learned even while you were on the earth and you fought through all the demons and all the uh, the negative atmosphere and all the criticism of uh, the skeptics and the agnostics and all the critics of the gospel. You fought through that and you found the truth. Hallelujah. And you honored the Lord with your finances. You'll be so happy. Amen. And of course, you'll be happy now, uh, but one day you'll be, you'll see, you'll see that it was worth it. Praise the Lord. We're making the difference, an eternal difference. All right. Having said that, let's jump into today's message. I want to talk along the subject of your mind. Your mind is the seat of wisdom. We're going to begin today in the book of Romans, chapter 11, verse 33. And as this word enters your heart today, there's going to be there's going to be a shifting within your mind. And God, God, I'm telling you, he can absolutely touch your intellect. I was talking with an engineer today uh, who deals with uh, engineering for television uh, behind the scenes with all of the uh, electronic stuff. And uh, and he said, you know, Pastor Stephen, I, there was a time in my life I couldn't understand this. But when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like it just began... I could understand it so simply. I said, brother, do I ever know what you're talking about? Because when the Holy Spirit touched my mind, things I couldn't grasp before or things I couldn't really, uh, you know, see through, now it's just, uh, it's all something that I can grab and take a hold of. So get ready because there's going to be an anointing of the Spirit of God touch your mind today through this message. The mind is the seat of wisdom. We're going to begin in the book of Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, I want us to go to verse 33. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate these scriptures. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Father, that as we hear your word, it's building faith. And I thank you, Father, your people are set for miracles, signs, and wonders. And they're going to be walking in literally supernatural wisdom. They're going to be walking in a type of intelligence that is not of this world. And for this, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. So there are tremendous depths to the wisdom of God. And while there are many definitions of wisdom, and it's, it's such a beautiful subject, it's hard to really define it with a simple definition. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, I think, what many people would use wisdom for the standard definition of being. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. And that's a pretty simplified definition, but it's still accurate. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. So wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. And actually, it's the last step in the thinking or the thought process. Last week, we talked about the four stages, or not the stages, but the four primary attributes of the mind, which are learning, knowledge, reasoning, and imagination. But once you work your way through those four steps, you're going to come to the last one, which is wisdom. And once you're settled with that wisdom, you've thought things through, you've reasoned, now you have understanding, you have knowledge. Well, when you get to the last phase, which is wisdom, and now you know the direct steps you're to take, really the only step after that that you can take is what? It's action. It's action. And when you are going that path, 
now your actions are going to be productive and they're going to bear the fruit that you're wanting to see come forth. Praise God. I, I believe we can demonstrate that this wisdom is the correct application of knowledge, that previous definition I just gave, by looking at a well-known verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So, for example, knowledge reveals in this scripture that there has been a divine exchange, and Jesus has made a way for you to receive the provision that you need. He became poor so that you could become rich. So you have knowledge of that when you read that scripture. But then when you go further, and let's say you, you study it, then it's not just surface knowledge, but now you really begin to get an understanding. Oh my goodness, Jesus, when you hung on that cross, you took the curse of poverty upon yourself so that I can be free from the curse uh, of the law and all of its awful effects, which absolutely includes the curse of poverty, so I can be free and you're the substitute. You're the one paying that price for me. And so there's knowledge and then there's understanding. But even with understanding, wisdom, and we need wisdom because wisdom helps us to enjoy the benefits by showing what those necessary steps to take are so that we can actually experience that scripture in our real life setting. Let me give you an example. I received an email recently a very sincere email with a very good question. And one of uh, my new ministry partners said, uh, Pastor Stephen, a little while back, uh, you know, a few months back, she said, I sent in an offering, a love offering of $150. Excuse me just a moment while I drink some hot tea. I've been up since real early this morning. And now it's late at night and the voice is feeling a little tired, but God's grace is here. Amen. So she said, Pastor Stephen, I sent in an offering of $150. And she said, um, I haven't, I, you know, it's been months now and I haven't received the 100-fold return. She said, I'm expecting $15,000 to come to me. And she said, now, my plan was that when I sow the $150, I'm going to get the 100 full back, then I'll have 15000 and then I can sow that again, and then that, that'll get a larger harvest back, and I can keep doing that and keep, you know, putting money uh, towards the, the work that God has called you to do. But she said, nothing's happened. Uh, and uh, sometimes people run into these types of things. Okay, so you have you have a knowledge of what God's will for you is, and then you get some understanding of that verse. But now you're going to need wisdom to know, actually, now what are the practical steps that I need to do to see that this verse is actually performing in my life? Because if it's not, then there's an area of wisdom that needs to come on the scene and illuminate the situation. Praise God. Well, uh, let's take a look at this briefly at Mark chapter 10. Let's take a look at the hundredfold return. That would be in Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and verse 30. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. 
houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with perse with persecutions. And that, you know, the persecutions are going to come. I, I don't mind that. I'm still taking the hundredfold return, praise God. Uh, and I know you're agreeing with that too. And in the age to come, eternal life. Okay, so it's spoken by the Lord. It's declared. It is the, the eternal word of God. So what's the wisdom application so that we can see this come to work? Well, think about it just for a moment. What if there were a machine somewhere on earth that I, I, can, um, I can take a $100 bill, okay? I can stick the $100 bill into the machine, it goes, and it sucks it in there, and then I pull a lever, and then there's another area where money comes out. So when I pull the lever, the machine makes a bunch of noise, and then uh, $10,000 pops out. Uh, and neatly stacked uh, $100 bills all bundled up. So you put 100 in, you pull the lever, and $10,000 came back, and it's called the 100-fold machine. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can you imagine if the machine actually did that? Wouldn't you just keep pulling that lever and over and over? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't spend the $10,000. I wouldn't even give it as an offering. I'd put the $10,000 right into the machine, and I'd pull the 100-fold lever again, kind of like a slot machine. You know, the, the one-armed bandit, they call it and uh, lost wages, excuse me, I mean, Las Vegas, <laughs> praise God, so okay, so you pull it again, you put $10,000 in now, and you, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a million dollars, you pull the lever, whoosh, and a million dollars comes out, oh, I wouldn't spend that either, I would do just what you would do, you're, you're, you're smart, I'd take the million dollars, and I'd, I'd put it back into the machine, then I'd pull the lever again, and, you know, the machine ju jumbles and shakes and stuff like that, make, makes a bunch of whirly noises, and now a hundred million dollars comes out. Well, why stop now when you're working a good thing? Let's keep working this. Take the $100 million, put it into the machine, pull the lever again. Now you're into the billions. Okay, now we're $10 billion. <laughs> Take that, put that in, pull it again. Well, before you know it, you could be the world's first trillionaire. And if that's the way it worked, uh, you'd find me over, over there by that machine and I'd, I'd know I'd find you there too. But here's the situation. It doesn't work like that. And... And so that's why we need now the application of wisdom because the, Jesus did say there's a hundredfold return. Okay, you give and you're going to receive back a hundredfold. Let's talk about now how wisdom comes on the scene to illuminate the steps that we need to take. I don't think we can find any better example in the Bible than Psalm, chap, uh, that would be the first Psalm, Psalm 1. Let's go to verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does, not whatever he prays, not whatever he does, a 40-day fast, that's all good praying, fasting, that's all good, it's all biblical. But it doesn't say what he prays, it says whatever he does shall prosper. Okay, so in other words, with your mind, after you've sown, your seed and so forth, given an offering. With your mind, you have to let the Holy Spirit work with your mind and let the Word of God work with your, your mind so that you get these ideas of creating certain channels that allow God's blessing to flow into your life. So that's what some people think. They they give $100. They think, okay, God's going to give me $10,000 cash. Somebody's going to come up to me and give me $10,000 cash. And that honestly, th that could happen. And I've, I've had things like that happen to me where it is that direct. Although when it's happened like that, it's that's kind of rare. I'll still take it. But God 
wants you to use your brilliant mind that he has given you to develop your mind, and he wants you to think about channels that you create because the blessings are going to flow through channels. God's not going to take, you know, like a million dollars and say, Gabriel, put the money right here. And Gabriel, the archangel, sits the money on the balcony of heaven. And God, uh, he pushes the money, whoosh, pushes over the balcony of heaven, and it starts falling down. And you're in your living room, and you look you look up, and here it is. Oh, God, there it is. Thank you. There's my harvest. Uh, Lord, I'll see you next Tuesday for another harvest. Well, it would be nice if it worked like that. Uh, but at the same time, what if your harvest was a refrigerator? You wouldn't want God or the angels pushing refrigerators or microwaves all the way from heaven down here. Somebody could get their head hurt. But my friends, divine wisdom guarantees the flow of divine ideas. And that's what you need. And so, so often the harvest could be an idea. It could be something that moves your career forward with a solution or an idea if you have your own business or if, you, if you're a musician with a song. <laughs> you know, I, I heard my, Michael W. Smith uh, the other day. Uh, this is one of his older interviews, and he, he wrote this one song, and he said, this song, it came to me. He said, um, he said I, I can't think of any way to describe it. He said, it came to me supernaturally. It just, whoop, I had it just like that. And it's even still today, 30 years later, still probably the most famous song that he wrote. People sing it all over the world. Well, what was that? Well, it's a song, but that song has sold by the millions and millions and millions. So I'm trying to say that your harvest can come in different ways, and this is why we engage the mind in the area of wisdom. Now, when we operate with an idea from heaven, then we can expect to get heavenly results. And I really do believe that before this week is out, some of you are going to get walloped with a heavenly idea. That doesn't mean you need to go off and start telling people. No, develop that idea. Bring it into the fullness of what it is that God is trying to convey to you. And then, you know, get moving on it. What is that? That is a channel for God's blessing to flow to you through. Praise the Lord. Divine wisdom has an unlimited ability to deliver results. Despite, despite all the crazy, harsh conditions that would even be in the world, even right now, and uh, you just need to know that God's wisdom is above that, and there's a solution no matter what you're coming up against. We see, for example, that with, uh, that with Isaac, even in the earth when there was a famine, still Isaac, even in a time of a famine, let's say, let's say like today, even with gas prices that are rising, $7 a gallon, $8 a gallon. What if it went up to $12 a gallon? Well, you know, in Europe, they were buying it by the liter. <laughs> it was already $4 a liter. <laughs> so you're gonna, you can imagine, you know, the, there's, there's going to be people that are going to feel this, but the covenant that God has designed is for your exemption. So you don't have to have the same experience of stress and uh, you know, pressure and stuff like that. So my friends, this divine wisdom can generate a bumper harvest for you, even in the middle of some kind of strange, unusual famine. And we see it very clearly in Genesis chapter 26. Let me jump over there and just read a few select verses concerning that. Genesis 26, verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar, then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in the land that I will be with you and bless you. And the Lord does that. He blesses him. He empowers him. He gives him an idea. 
reveals to him and shows him what to do. So in other words, if you're in the land, that's not just stand around and twiddle your thumbs. So he's going to get busy. He's going to work kingdom principles and he is going to sow seed. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land. What land? The land that was under severe famine and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Well, Pastor Stephen, how in the world did that happen in the midst of famine? Well, how, would, how could God give you increase right now with uh, these various wars and the potential threat of a larger looming war and prices going up and inflation and this and that? You, you think, well, how could God move me so far ahead of that that I don't even feel that? He can. He can absolutely, absolutely do that because the blessing is supernatural and the wisdom of God to walk in that blessing is, is divine. It absolutely is. And it says... Concerning Isaac, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Woo! May that be said of you that the wisdom of God has made you very prosperous. Praise God. And that is the trajectory that God has you on right now. Shout! Amen! Shout amen! Praise God, because that's the Bible truth. Praise the Lord Jesus today. Divine wisdom can generate a bumper harvest even, even with all of these various trials going on in the earth. When Pharaoh recognized the higher wisdom that Joseph was operating in, he actually delegated all planning and decision-making over to Joseph. He's like, this guy's got the touch. He is operating in a level of wisdom that we somehow are not able to tie into. But see, even Pharaoh, an unsaved man, could, could sit back and say, woo, this guy's got it. Mm -mm. He had enough wisdom because he, he does have wisdom, but he has enough wisdom also to recognize this guy's got more and this guy has the solutions to what we need. So Joseph is running everything. The only person that he is not uh, over is Pharaoh himself. That is how divine wisdom can separate you and lift you regardless of what is going on with various circumstances. And let me say that divine wisdom has a way of highlighting your life. I have... um some different highlighters here. I have a blue one, God's favorite color, blue. I have yellow. I use all of my underlining, all my scriptures in yellow. But it's, it's like God can take a, a heavenly highlighter and highlight you where there is a distinguished difference in your life. Why? How? Through the working of divine wisdom in your life. Praise the Lord. In Solomon's time, we see that people came from far and near to hear his wisdom. Solomon had the serious wisdom highlight. Mm, praise God. During the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus, his fame spread abroad because of the divine wisdom that he operated in. And of course, the wisdom of God highlighted Joseph as we previously spoke of, because while he's still in prison, he's still in prison over there in the palace uh, the butler saying, hey, um, uh, Mr. Pharaoh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I forgot to tell you about a genius we have over here sitting in the prison, and I know you need some help right now, and that guy is unlike anybody else I've ever seen in my life. So wisdom is highlighting Joseph, who is in the prison, and that highlight is taking place for him over in the palace, and you know the rest of the story. There is a difference for those that walk in this higher wisdom, which is the wisdom of God. Supernatural wisdom, let me say this, is an absolute reality that you can experience. And really, it's God's ordained lifting device that he has designed to cause you to stand out in the crowd.
Mm -mm. May that percolate in your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let's go over to Matthew chapter 11, verse 18. And I want you to understand that wisdom is the heritage of everybody who is redeemed in Christ Jesus. So we're heading now over to Matthew chapter 11, verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom. Listen to what Jesus said in his defense. <laughs> this is genius. But wisdom is justified by her children. You know, you can have critics and scoffers and stuff like that, but all you have to do is say, well, look, look though, what is coming out of what we're proclaiming. Look at the fruit. Look at the results. Look at the children of wisdom. Wisdom will always have children. What I mean by that is proofs, validations that your way of living, the kingdom way of living, is the highest way of living and is the best way of living. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Divine wisdom is available to us, and it stands clearly above all other levels of wisdom. Now, what I would like for us to do just briefly is to look at the four different levels of wisdom. Did you know that there are four different levels of wisdom? And I, of course, want you to be operating in the highest one. And the other three, we're going to look at them. You could actually even dismiss the other three, and you're going to major on the one that is the best. Let's take a look at them. Uh, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Praise God today. James 3. And let's drop down to verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Now, verse 15. This wisdom does not descend from above. So there is a wisdom that is from above, but there's these other types of wisdom, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Wow, earthly, sensual, and demonic. What is earthly wisdom? Well, in many ways, I would call earthly wisdom common sense. And common sense is good, but remember, anytime you, you, you are in the realm of common, you're only going to get common results. So this is uh, earthly wisdom, such as don't play with fire. Uh, look both ways before uh, crossing the street. Things like that. That's common sense. That's earthly wisdom. And again, it just produces a common way of living. You, you know, you're able to keep on living, but everything's common. But then we have, along with earthly wisdom, we have sensual wisdom. And there is there's a lot of an expression everywhere of sensual wisdom. Sensual wisdom comes out of the soul. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. So this soulish realm is the realm also of the intellect. It's the realm of feelings and emotions. And that realm so often cannot be based on facts or truth. It can, it can often be based on feelings, and it can get you over into the isms. That's why in this realm of central wisdom, we have these ideas that seem right. And you have the isms. You have Marxism. You have socialism. You have communism. You have atheism. And you have those that are uh, banner wavers for these isms and champions of these 
different ideologies and so forth. But all of this, my friends, is sensual wisdom. Next, we have demonic wisdom, which, you know, that's a pretty um, defined term that we wouldn't have any problem understanding. Uh, demonic wisdom we see expressed through evil strategy, such as let's have a one world religious leader and let's have a one world government and let's have a one world health care system and let's have a one world military and let's have a man run it all and uh, we'll just surrender everything to him and if he wants to ideas and put a mark on our hands or a right hand or our forehead, well, that's fine. You know, we need to organize and get together. And uh, so there is a demonic wisdom where people can think, oh, that's a good idea. Then, then we can help each other and then we can eliminate poverty. Look, Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. Why? Because poverty is not a money problem. Poverty is a spiritual problem. It has spiritual roots. And until you get rid of the devil, you're going to have these various problems that continue to persist in the earth, no matter how much money you throw at it. So there was a lot of demonic wisdom out there that would appear to offer a solution. And there will come a time where that will be allowed to ride. There is a prophetic agenda that, that God will have fulfilled. And there will, there will be an expression of this demonic wisdom unfolded. And then everybody's going to see what a stupid idea it was, that it's nothing but enslavement and it's nothing uh, but the work of the devil. But then we have the wisdom from above. What does that basically mean? It means that this wisdom is above all of these other forms of wisdom, whether it's earthly wisdom or sensual wisdom or demonic wisdom. And I, I like what the Apostle Paul said even concerning the wisdom of, you know, these, these evil spirits. They, they thought they could outsmart God and so forth. And they didn't know that when they were involved in working through these men to crucify Christ, that they were actually sealing their doom. And Paul said, he said, they have come to nothing. That's, that means they've come to an absolute zero. And so God has outsmarted them because his wisdom is above all forms of demonic wisdom. It's like a zero compared to, you know, a billion or higher or an infinite number. So that's all that is coming to these other forms of wisdom. It's being reduced to nothing. But we're going to ride with the wisdom that comes from on high. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take a look for a moment and see this wisdom of God in operation, what it can do in your life. Get ready. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is going to touch your mind. And the Word is working to line up your mind in, the, in divine Holy Spirit sequence and frequency. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. This is, this is fascinating. Daniel chapter 2, praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And we're going to be in verse 1. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call all the magicians. These are all the smart people with all the earthly wisdom and all of the central wisdom, and obviously some of them had the uh, demonic wisdom too. They all get together in the same room. <laughs> Magicians, astrologers, and don't think these were a bunch of uneducated people. These astrologers were also, that branches over into astronomy, the mapping of the star systems. They were pretty advanced, pretty advanced in those areas. No question about it. Also, uh, you know, algebra, trigonometry, many of the advanced forms of mathematics, some of those actually were developed and came out of that region of the world. 
And so we have magicians, astrologers, sorcerers. Okay, so there's demonic wisdom. And the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream, his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. So he not only wants to know the interpretation, he wants them to tell him what he has dreamt. <laughs> and they're like, hey, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's nobody on the planet that can do this. And they begin, obviously, to get really nervous. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. In other words, our wisdom cannot go into this realm. We do not have an ability to go that high. We have a ceiling, and we've bumped up against it. And, of course, the king is like, well, that, that's too bad. You're all going to die because of that. But, but there's somebody. Now look at verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. They're not wise enough to do it. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And then there was an absolute display of the wisdom of God that when it was done, stunned everybody there in that courtroom palace. Mm -mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Get ready for that same wisdom that God gave to Daniel to touch your mind as well. You're never going to be stranded ever again in life. You're never going to be at a place where you throw up your hands and say there is no solution. Not with this kind of wisdom. Oh, no. No, no. This is a totally different situation. Praise God. I see your failures and frustrations and former defeats knowing, oh, they're finished. And they are. And I pronounce that over your life. Freedom. Hallelujah. As you're now a high flyer through the divine wisdom of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And of course, Daniel's life proved the reality of divine wisdom among mortal men here on this earth. It caused him, as you can see, to stand out. And it's also what's going to cause you to stand out as well. Praise God. Now, we have got to ask ourselves a question. Where did Daniel get this wisdom? Where did he get it from? And it tells us very clearly, and you're going to get it also from the same source. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God gave them. God gave them. Where do they get it from? A university? No, although a university is good, but it can't take you this high. Where did they get it from? Uh, some secret guru on the side of a mountain? No, 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 no. He's limited. They got it directly from God. God is the source of all wisdom. This is the wisdom that's from above. Praise the Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit, of course, has come into the earth. And the Holy Spirit, in so many ways, is the Spirit of God who empowers you by revealing to you the wisdom of God and allowing that wisdom to touch your mind, even to the point where the Apostle Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. So we know that Christ 
operating the highest level of wisdom through the anointing. This is something that we can step into where that same anointing touches our minds. And really, you can come to a place you don't even think the way that you used to think. It alters the way you think. And you process difficulties and troubles and challenges in a completely different way because now you know there is a, a, a solution. You know with the wisdom of God, there is absolutely a way out. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. Now, let's go over the First Kings chapter 29. 1 Kings 29. Oh, excuse me. 1 Kings 4, verse 29 and 30. And God gave Solomon wisdom. Oh, oh, Pastor Stephen, now Solomon, he was way up there. Yeah, where did he get it from? Did he get it from reading some kind of a secret book? Hmm? No. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largest of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus, Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was, was in all the surrounding nations. Praise God. Where did he get it from? Who did he get it from? God gave it to him. Praise the Lord. This is divine wisdom. And this wisdom from God is going to cause every area of your life to blossom in a very beautiful and special way. Praise you, Lord Jesus, today. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Now, for a few minutes, let's talk about what are the requirements for flowing in divine wisdom. We know what it is. We know it's available. But what are the requirements? What is God expecting of us? What does God need from us in order to step into the flow of divine wisdom? Well, number one, quite simply, First of all, in order to get into the divine wisdom of God, the way God intends for you to experience, you must be born again. And we see this in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8 and verse 36. Praise the Lord. Mark 8 and verse 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? My friends, how wise can a person be when they're heading full speed to hell? When they're hearing preachers preach left and right on television, radio, satellite, internet, uh, this, that, and the other, and all the voices are proclaiming that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, and that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're going to be judged one day, and it's either heaven or hell. Well, can, how wise can a person be when they keep blasting down the highway of life full speed, seeing all of these road signs and warning signs that say, danger, the, bri the bridge is out ahead. Well, I tell you what, that's not wisdom. But the wise are those that hear the, the eternal truth of the gospel and realize what does it matter if you gain all of the world, but you lose your own soul? No, you're not a wise person. That's, that's, that's what God's word would consider to be a foolish person. But today, I know I'm speaking to the wise, and I know I'm speaking to those who maybe may not yet be in the kingdom, but we can take care of that today, and you can receive Christ, and you can begin to tap into this wisdom as well. Praise the Lord. Now, secondly, what does God require of us to flow in divine wisdom? And that would be to walk in the fear of the Lord. We see this in Proverbs chapter 9 
and let's take a look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, how much more clearer and simpler can we get it than that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to deeply reverence and respect the Lord and the things that he values as beautiful, sacred, holy, and important. Praise the Lord. So, the fear of the Lord is living your life in a way that you're doing all you can to please the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's the beginning. Now you get into the wisdom flow. Hallelujah. Look at this uh, in Job chapter 28, and this gives us, gives us a great example of how we can actually sustain this flow once we get into it. Job 28, verse 28, and to man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. So you get into the flow through the fear of the Lord, and you depart from evil, and you, you now you're sustained on that wisdom ride. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So yes, we must walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, number three, I'm giving you four, uh, four things that God requires of us in order to walk in the divine wisdom. Number one, salvation. Number two, walking in the fear of the Lord. Uh, and number three, very important, it's humility. Praise God. Humility maintains the beautiful flow of divine wisdom. And we see that in Psalm 25 and verse 9. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 25, verse 9 says, The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. So God can't teach you when you're arrogant, when you think you know it all. And how many of you know there's some Christians out there that think, they think they do. They think they have every, every solution. And they also think they know more than others. And sometimes you would almost get the idea they think maybe they know more than God. But you know what? You're going to have to engage meekness and humility. That's Those are the ones that he is actually releasing his divine wisdom into. And you don't need all this huffing and puffing and, and shouting and sweating and trying to do all this stuff to get attention or try to get people to uh, uh, acknowledge you or recognize you. Why? Remember, first of all, you want to you want to stay humble. And remember, wisdom's going to have proofs. And when you have proofs, you don't have to do all that huffing and puffing and shouting and tossing and rolling. Why? They, they can see, oh, the guy's blessed. Oh, the woman of God, well, I, well, obviously God's hands on her life. I think I'll just, I think I'll be a little more quiet around that person because a lot of times people are real loud, but they don't, they don't really have proofs. What does that mean? There's some kind of a disconnect with the wisdom flow. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. We'll have to let them figure it out. <laughs> but if you want to come into it, you actually have to walk in uh, meekness and humility. That keeps that flow going very well. And of course, number four, you're going to really need to lean on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one that that is generating uh, through the anointed word. He's anointing the word, but it's the Holy Spirit who's generating these ideas. It's He's generating this lift and he's, he's, he's giving to you what the Father wants to send from heaven and for you to get a grasp on and to be able to walk out in the earth. So the Holy Spirit is involved in all of that. So you really want to fellowship with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you know, 
uh, work with my mind. Holy Spirit, work with my mind. Holy Spirit, touch my brain. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And he will. And he will. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Okay, so those are the four requirements for flowing in divine wisdom. So let's begin to pull this together now by coming to the end result. What are the results or the products of operating in divine wisdom? I want you to know what to expect because these are going to be like children all around you in your life. Praise God. And I think the first one is, uh, is a total game changer. And I want you to be expecting through operating in divine wisdom to come into a new level of creativity. So number one product of divine wisdom is creativity. And we see that in Genesis chapter one. And let's look at verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, praise God. Divine wisdom we can see here is involved in the creative process. This is the creation of the world. This is the creation of the stars and planets and all of the other beautiful things that God hung in space. So there is divine wisdom on the scene. And what is divine wisdom doing? Creating. Okay. So divine wisdom produces what? It's a leading thing that's going to come out. Creativity. Glory to God. Divine wisdom releases creative abilities into our mind. It enables us to bring into existence things that previously did not exist. And I certainly see some new things coming into your life this year. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. We also see this expressed very clearly in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, and this would be verse 19. The Lord, by wisdom, founded or created the earth. Again, you see wisdom and creation, wisdom and creativity, again, kind of meeting together. So anytime divine wisdom comes on the scene, there's often something that's going to be done either for the first time or new or expressed now in a creative way that we have not seen or heard or even, you know, a new product or something like coming out that's a game changer. Praise the Lord. So be expecting this new level of creative ability to flow in your life. And really, this, this anointing for creativity through divine wisdom can be so, so strong that it actually turns you into a pace setter. In other words, you're not just back in the pack kind of following what others do and then you react to that. You actually start to think in a leader type position and you start to begin uh, to become a trendsetter, a pace setter. And then people start looking at you thinking, wow, how come we didn't think of that? But you know why? Because you're, you're tying into this wisdom. And what does it do? Relate, re it releases the creative juice in a brand new way. Get ready. I'm about to pray for you, for God to release a new anointing of divine wisdom upon your mind. Your mind is the seat of wisdom. I'm not going to pray that God put wisdom upon your toe. I'm not going to pray that God put a deep anointing of wisdom upon your elbow. No, no, upon your mind. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> what, what actually could be a good verse that would express what's going to happen to you when this anointing touches your mind? When divine wisdom touches your mind, expressing creativity, 
let me show you a verse of what's going to happen to you. I know it's going to take place. Isaiah 43. Let's take a look at this. Isaiah 43, praise God. And it's actually one verse. It's verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Get ready. That's what God will do. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? God's going to do a new thing in your life that's creative, that's beautiful, that is a, de that is a direct result of this wisdom. A new thing, a new way of order, a new way of executing things that are more efficient, that make better sense, that save money, that create money, and on and on it goes. Why? God's doing the new thing. That's all a part of creativity. It's new, not old. No, new. Get ready. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, we see that the wisdom of God is expressed through creativity. And also, one that I really like a whole lot is the wisdom of God is expressed through mighty exploits of faith. We could even call them mighty works. I like the Old Testament, uh, New King James word of exploits, great accomplishments, things that make others uh, sit up and take attention because God's highlighting your life through the wisdom that he's flowing through you. And we see the classic example of this, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and that would be verse 54. Praise God. When he, that would be Jesus, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Notice how they're tied together. They didn't just say, wow, this guy's got a lot of anointing. He's got a lot of power. They said, where did he get this, number one, wisdom? Notice how that's leading the pack. And when you're walking in wisdom, it's going to engender or it's going to bring about what? Exploits, mighty works. Where did he get this wisdom and these mighty works? Those two are, they're strung together always. And so that's why I'm saying when you're walking in divine wisdom, you have a right to see uh, exploits, mighty works that just begin to be birthed out of your life and come to fruition and others see it and give glory to God. We also see this expressed in the gospel of Mark chapter six, verse two, very similar verse, but it says here, and when the Sabbath had come, he, that would be Jesus, began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? I'm telling you, God's going to do something with your mind that alters the way you talk, that alters the way you communicate, that alters the way that you even compose yourself. And that's it's a direct result of divine wisdom touching your mind, just like it did for Jesus. They said, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Notice again, they didn't just say, oh, he's a miracle worker. No, the, the thing that's astonishing them is this wisdom. They're like, where did he get this wisdom from? And also what follows with that exploits, boom, mighty works. <laughs> so that, that's why you have to put a premium on wisdom. And that's why you have to allocate time to develop your mind with, with this flow of divine wisdom because the proofs are priceless. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Now, divine wisdom, of course, produces results or proofs that cannot be denied. So we have exploits. We have, we have creativity. And here's one. 
Here's one that um, it'll catch up with you and it will jump on you. It may not happen overnight, but it's it's chasing you right now. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16. Let's just jump over there and take a look at that. Proverbs 3, verse 16. It, uh, this chapter is in the context of personifying wisdom as a person. And this is what wisdom will produce. Verse 16, length of days is in her right hand. So wisdom here is personified or pictured as a woman. And wisdom gives length of days. And in her left hand, riches, riches and honor. My friends, when you walk in divine wisdom, uh, you know, wealth, wealth is around divine wisdom. Wealth is not around fools. Uh, if, if they have, if fools have wealth and they don't have wisdom, they're going to lose it. Okay. So divine wisdom is a magnet for wealth. It just comes towards it. Praise the Lord. So again, verse 16, length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand, riches. Some, some translations say wealth. Riches, wealth, and honor. Praise God again. That's why you want to be anointed to flow in divine wisdom. Because this wisdom is higher than all these other forms of wisdom that can really disappoint and take you to a dead-end street where there's no turnaround. Praise God. What else will it uh, produce? Well, this is one I like a lot. It's um, To me, it means a lot. It's pleasantness. Divine wisdom produces a pleasant life. Proverbs chapter 3, the very next verse, verse 17. Her ways, the way, that would be the ways of wisdom, her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. Look, if your life is just, you know, rough and tumble, and there's constant things that are just overcoming you, and it's hard, that's not God's plan. He's got a way for you to overcome those things and get into what? A life that is pleasant that is peaceful. I would, I would say it's a life that's smooth. It's smooth. And when it's smooth, God's in it. God's in it when it's smooth, when it's all chaos and crazy and uh, stuff is going bananas. Well, we need to get into the wisdom flow. We need, we need to slow down, calm down and let that anointing touch our minds, get settled and get back to the character of Christ, the attitude of Christ, and just get back into that and get back into that flow of pleasantness. I'll be honest. I like pleasantness a whole lot, a whole lot. I don't like rough and crude and, uh, you know, oh, I hope we get through this one. No, I don't like that. I like things in order. I like things peaceful. And I know you do too. I like pleasantness. And that's where this will take you to. Praise God. And let's close with this one because this one's, uh, this one's heavyweight. This one's so good. Divine wisdom will produce in your life answers that you need and not just answers for you. But when this, when this wisdom touches your mind, you will even be able to supply answers to others who are looking for solutions to their problems of life. Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two, and let's go to verse, verse 47. And all who heard him, this is when Jesus was 12 years old and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So you can imagine a 12-year-old young man being asked questions by the experts in that field, and he's stunning them with, with the answers that he's giving. <laughs> They're like, what in the world? Where? How does he ha have that? Divine wisdom, divine wisdom. And God, God's spirit is touching his mind, and he's able to give answers 
that astounded the experts in their field. Oh, glory to God. I tell you what, I've read many rabbinical commentaries, and they're, look, look, this book, this book is a spiritual book. You're not going to figure it out, even if your IQ is 215. If your IQ is 180, they said Einstein had an IQ of 180, I think, okay? I think the highest IQ ever recorded was 220, but this is a spiritual book. It, yes, you need your intellect, but it's, it's the spiritual mind that is able to take these things and say, ah, that that brings solutions into these areas. And you can hear a person ask a question and you can tell, you can tell, look, this thing in your life is out of order. So if you, if you work it like this, or if you attack the, a problem like this, you can break it down into small pieces and you can solve this. You can fix this and just give answers, answers, not watch this, not just in your career field, but it will give answers across the broad spectrum of life. And that's really broad when you can help a person here at your job, or you can help a person here who's the mailman, or you can help a person here who's doing your hair, or you could go to ladies in the nail salon and you can help the person there who's doing, because people all over the world, they have this thing that seems to show up everywhere. It's called problems. <laughs> and how do you, how do you solve problems with answers? Praise God. But a lot of times they don't know how to get the answers. But when you tie into divine wisdom, you can ask questions and then you can begin to see the problem and God will show you, okay, this is how sometimes, sometimes it's not just that you have one solution. Sometimes there's five ways to solve it. Do take your pick. God will honor either one because uh, there's different ways that you can get to the final destination. But I'm telling you, my friends, Divine wisdom is real. Daniel walked in it. Solomon walked in it. Jesus walked in it. Paul the apostle walked in it to the degree that even Peter acknowledged that Paul had a special wisdom that God had given him uh, to fulfill his assignment and so forth and understanding the Old Testament types and shadows and understanding the purpose of the gospel uh, for the Jew and also for the Gentiles. He was able by God's grace to wrap his mind around that when the other uh, original 12 were just like thinking, oh, it's just still for the Jews. And Paul was like, he was getting incredible revelation. Uh, no, this is for the whole world, for whoever will receive Christ. You can, Anybody can be saved now if, if you come into Christ Jesus. Praise God. So the Holy Spirit touching his mind, his spiritual mind. And I'm telling you, the touch of God can even lift your IQ. I totally, absolutely believe that. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for everybody that's watching right now, uh, everybody born again that's saved, that divine wisdom be touching their minds right now, be flowing into their minds, and they begin to think with a, an attitude that all things are possible to him who believes, and they'll get out of the attitude of, we're just grasshoppers, and we can't do anything. But know, Father God, that your people will begin to rise with the anointing of your word upon their minds, and they begin to think and step into all that you've called them to. And every child of God has a beautiful inheritance. God has not designed anybody to live a life as a hobo riding on the caboose at the back of the train. No. Hallelujah. Uh, you ride at the back of the train if you work for the train company and get paid for it, but not as a tramp. No, glory to God. God has designed success and victory and honor and blessing for all of his people. But my friends, you're going to need to be flying in the divine wisdom in order to flow into those, those places 
that God has for you. Now, there's a virtue flowing right now of divine wisdom. Lift your hands. Father God, you gave it to Solomon. Father God, we saw in Scripture you gave it to Daniel. We know Jesus got it from the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Oh, God, I'm praying that your divine wisdom would fall upon your people right now. Hallelujah. And alter their mindsets and alter their outlooks for good. Father, I know there's people watching around the world right now from other countries that could have very perplexing situations. And a person might even be thinking, should I stay here? Should I flee? Should I move? Is a, is a bomb going to go off here? Are we going to see war here? But Father God, you're going to show them exactly what they're supposed to do. And we give you all the praise because they're operating in divine wisdom. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, get calm if you have to make a decision. Don't try to make decisions in chaos or craziness. Calm down. Compose yourself. Calm down. And that answer will come. The solution will come. And remember, sometimes in some situations, it's not that you only have one option. Sometimes you could have two or three, maybe four options of how we could walk this out. And they're all moving you in the direction that God wants you to go. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today's program and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your heart, the Savior of your soul, today, don't let another day go by. Today can be your day of salvation. I want you to receive Christ now. Jesus wants to come into your heart and cleanse you of your sins and give you his new life. Lift your hands right now. Those of you that are ready to receive Christ and you want to receive Christ, don't wait another moment. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. When you're on that cross, you paid for my sins. So Jesus, I turn from my sin and I ask you to save me now. Come into my heart, wash all of my sins away with your precious blood and write my name in the book of life. Jesus, thank you. Step into my life and lead me and guide me by your divine wisdom from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Welcome, welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. How about that? You got led to Christ by a preacher sitting in a hotel room. Maybe you're sitting in a hotel room, hallelujah, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> God will reach you wherever you're at, hallelujah. I'm so glad you've given your heart to the Lord. Now, church family and also friends that are in the body of Christ, Let's take Holy Communion. Now, I've told you about these little portable cups, and here I am putting them into practice, hallelujah, as I'm on the road for a few more days traveling with my precious wife. But this has the little wafer and the grape juice. And so grab some grape juice and a, uh, a little wafer, and let's pray over it together. Heavenly Father, we bless the bread and the, and the juice, and we, we consecrate it. That is, we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you, Father, this is blessed. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. And we are receiving Holy Communion. So, Father, we thank you for the Lord's flesh. We thank you for his word. We thank you, O oh God, that wisdom has powerful results. And, Father God, that as we are walking into that wisdom, it's working. It's working. And we have the answers to what we need to do in every situation. Thank you, Father. We dismiss the other forms of so-called wisdom, which Paul the Apostle said are coming to nothing. Some translations say have already come to nothing because of the work done at Calvary. So, Father, we look to you and your word, your principles. And as we receive the flesh of Jesus, oh God, we thank you for the touch 
of divine wisdom upon our minds. We thank you, Father God. Highlight us, O God, by the anointing of your Spirit, just like the highlighter causes things to stand out. Lord, let your wisdom bring a highlighting for your glory alone, for solely for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the body of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I spoke with the television company today. Their satellite covers all of Russia and all of Ukraine. The gentleman I spoke with said, um, once I get done with these sessions, and we've, he and I had a wonderful talk. He said, I'm getting on the plane. I'm flying back to Russia. I'm flying from Nashville, catching flights here, there, and there, and I'm going straight back to Russia. He said, our offices are, are located in Moscow, and our satellite offices, where we dub all of the languages and so forth, they're all located in, guess where, Kiev. <laughs> he said, we're just going to keep on going. Uh, you know, come hell or high water, we're just going to keep on preaching the gospel and moving the kingdom forward and getting the lost saved. And I said, brother, I'm all with you. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is very exciting what the Lord Jesus is doing. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and Father, we ask that you would cleanse us from all sin and uh, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you that we have right standing with you through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that our sins and our iniquities, you remember no more. Thank you, Father, they're washed away. It says, you don't remember them, neither are we. <laughs> Praise you. So, Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you for clean hearts. And we thank you, Father, for high callings. And we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, my friends, next time I'll see you, I'll be back in North Carolina. Hallelujah. I'm going to be here just for a few more days in uh, Tennessee. We're in Nashville, and we're just strategizing concerning kingdom expansion through television and so forth. And we're thankful for what God is doing. And let me say also a giant thank you for all of those that uh, particularly support the Pure Gold television show. It is really neat to hear some of the testimonies behind the scenes of how God is working through that program. And of course, I'm still, I'm humming and buzzing with excitement about that land. I can hardly wait to get back to North Carolina because I want to go out to that property that we have just closed on and purchased. I want to go out there and start praying. Me and Pastor Kelly, we're going to get a bench. We're going to put it out in the center of the property where the new studio is going to be built at. And I'm going to be out there praying. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And if you're ever passing through, you're thinking, Pastor Jim, I'd like to go out there and pray. Let me know. Send us an email at contact at stephenbrooks.org, and we'll let you know where it's at. If you want to walk out there and pray uh, for the future studio that's going to be raised up, we'd love to have you go out there and spend some time praying. Just let us know so we can uh, show you how to get there. There's, there's no road onto the property or, or anything yet. But if you like the woods and you like the forest, praise God, there's plenty of room to pray. Praise the Lord. So thank you for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back again very soon from Nashville, me and Pastor Kelly send our love and blessing to you. God bless you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.